Welcome to the Faith Seeking Freedom Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. Your questions about faith and liberty deserve thoughtful answers, and we're dedicated to giving you solid responses so you can live free and flourish. What might a Christian libertarian perspective have to say about Ayn Rand's objectivism? This was a an objection that Al Mohler brought to you, Norman. And so I'm going to let you start the discussion on Ayn Rand from a Christian perspective with you. Uh, yeah, so this is something that a lot of people seem to sort of forget, I suppose. Because in many respects, you know, there's even a book titled, it usually begins with Ayn Rand. And to be quite frank, a lot of people do, secular libertarians in particular, get involved as libertarians from starting off by reading Ayn Rand. But that's not always the case, first of all, and it's not necessarily uh, something that should be identified as the only way or the most important way that one gets involved in, and uh, learns about libertarian ideas. In fact, Ayn Rand herself didn't really like libertarians all that much and uh, often said that they were philosophically uh, bankrupt and things such as that. One of our more prominent libertarians that we should probably be referencing far more often, Murray Rothbard, was once a friend of Ayn Rand and respected her, but ultimately broke with her on the basis of that she uh, actually attacked his wife, <laughs> verbally at least. And, uh, and that, like any good husband should do, uh, you know, he said, I've had enough of this, and he left. And Murray Rothbard went on to really become, of course, the arguably the, the greatest libertarian of our generations, you know, near near and dear to our hearts, along with greats like Friedrich Hayek and Ludwig von Mises uh, and others who have come after them, who we are much more indebted to on a philosophical basis than we are Ayn Rand. Fundamentally, the key point here is that Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism is meant to be a more comprehensive worldview. And insofar as it rejects Christian values, it is something that we obviously will not have a part in as Christians. Now, there are people who have written some interesting essays, books, and whatnot about the touch points of objectivist ideas and Christian ideas. I'm thinking of people like Mark Henderson's book called The Soul of Atlas. Um, we've had a few other essays written on libertarianchristians.com that address this in some manner. And you'll find these uh, written upon occasion in popular media as well. Uh, and we don't want to necessarily just jettison Ayn Rand's influence. But ultimately, we recognize that Ayn Rand is only a part of libertarian influences. And she goes far beyond in her own philosophy than what libertarianism claims as the boundaries and, and limits of what it proposes as a proper way of, of thinking about power and force in society. But there are other useful things you know, to think about and to appreciate about Rand as well. And, and uh, you know, for instance, her love of capitalism. But that doesn't mean that we will accept her philosophy, that we think that her explication about atheism and, and whatnot is somehow valid. Obviously, we don't think that is true. And we don't believe that that philosophy as a worldview is something that Christians ought to adopt in whole. You know, this touches on something that I just have noticed about libertarians who, again, I have a lot of friends who are libertarians who are not Christians and, you know, love them. And we work together on all sorts of different things. And, and it's great. But libertarianism is not a substitute for a worldview that will satisfy the deepest needs of our soul and, you know, the answer to the questions of 
what's going to happen after we die and what's our purpose here on earth and all of the deepest questions that we have as people and as human beings are not answered through libertarianism. And so when people don't have a worldview and a belief system that addresses and satisfies the deepest questions that we have as human beings, what I've found is that people tend to want to expand libertarianism or they adopt a form of libertarianism. Uh, And I'm speaking strictly of libertarians who don't have a Christian worldview or a religious worldview of any kind, tend to find a way for libertarianism to sort of be expanded to satisfy some of those other needs they have for a comprehensive worldview about life and purpose and all of these other things. And so I find objectivism to sort of be in that category as far as being a libertarianism plus type philosophy. This has been a a trend I've seen in the thick versus thin libertarianism where I've just seen like, oh, you're just trying to expand libertarianism to something that's also going to satisfy this other thing that you want out of life, which libertarianism doesn't satisfy. And oh, by the way, you think religion's for... It can make room for it, but it doesn't provide it. Right, exactly. When I read Atlas Shrugged, I read it about five years ago, and this past summer I read The Fountainhead. And what was interesting is I was also reading another book that explained that similar to the way that many economists or people who are in libertarian frameworks sort of say that you need to read Adam Smith's Inquiry into Wealth of Nations and the Syria of Moral Sentiments to sort of understand the whole Adam Smith. These authors were suggesting that you really can't understand Rand unless you have read both Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead. I think most people read things like Atlas Shrugged and they get a little turned off by a few things and they don't have, and then either they just don't pick up any other Rand books or they don't you know, pay attention enough to see it. But something that's interesting about Rand's characters is while someone like Howard Rourke is kind of a larger than life sort of person, he refuses to compromise on, you know, his most cherished beliefs. And some of those beliefs are, you know, that Rand inserts into these kind of comes from the Christian tradition around her. And that is that the idea of the individual is sacred and inviolable. So Rand doesn't believe that man is an end to anything other than himself or herself and not the means to another's ends. And so insofar as she believes that, there's some compatibility there. One of the things that is has I've thought of over the years after reading Atlas Shrugged is what would happen if all the all the makers, all the producers, all the productive people in society leave. The people who invented things, not just invented things like the light bulb, but invented processes by which manufacturing becomes more efficient or they are the leaders in industries that revolutionize that that industry. What happens if they either if they just left? Not just and and obviously they can leave and you know their ideas live on with us and so someone else could just kind of pick that up. But what if they just decided, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore and we're going to take our our goods, which is their mind, which is their ability to change the world. What if they just went on strike? Because that's what happens in Atlas Shrugged. Sorry for those of you who haven't read it yet. 
that's what happens in Atlas Shrugged. They withdraw from a world and it essentially demands their self-immolation, which is sort of like Ayn Rand's odd version of altruism. So there's this really interesting dynamic there that, you know, people that appear really selfish by just withdrawing from society, they're really just refusing to compromise their most cherished beliefs that we are not the means to another person's end. And just for our listeners' benefit, I think we need to post a spoiler alert in the show notes or at the beginning of the podcast, because even though Atlas Shrugged was published 60 years ago, those who haven't read it, we want to make sure we don't ruin the uh, ruin that part of the story for them. Yeah, sorry, Norman. Yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> well, there has no, been a I... movie, so those are the people who are just like, <laughs> wow, that book's really thick. Oh, wait, I could have watched the movie instead. <laughs> right. The best so. is like the 90-page diatribe in, in the book. Yeah. It's just like... There's a lot... There's a lot of good in that. <laughs> There's a lot of good in that book. Um, I will admit, and those of you who are listening who are kind of like, wow, that is a really thick book with really small print. The audiobook, the unabridged audiobook is very well performed. And I did all 60 hours of it and I enjoyed it thoroughly. That's what I did too. That's I actually good. listened to it. I listened to it as I was moving from Ohio to Austin. I was driving an RV. I think it took like the entire 19 hours probably. <laughs> yeah. Did you listen to it at three times the speed? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did it while well, I remodeled our basement. So yeah. I, I will confess that I watched Atlas Shrugged Part 1, the movie, while basically holding my infant son. I was probably about, well, it's getting on the order of nearly four years ago now. So <laughs> was that the first movie he ever, quote, watched? Was Atlas Shrugged? No. That would be amazing if it was. He's destined to be a libertarian now. <laughs> okay, so do we, are we, what's the next question? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. This podcast was inspired by our popular book, Faith Seeking Freedom, which is available on Kindle, softcover, and audiobook at faithseekingfreedom.com. Want your questions answered on our podcast? Email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so we can reach more Christians with the message of liberty.